Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of Beer Bubbles. Well, it's released on the sixth anniversary of my former podcast about beer, Earl Podden. And by now you've all heard, and hopefully liked, a new jingle written and produced by the fantastic Ricky Dellin. Me and Ricky, we go way back, and you will get to listen to him in a little while. But first out is Joshua Garman from Hidden Springs Ale Works in Tampa, Florida. Josh Garman, Hidden Springs, we're sitting here in your tap room, and we got, if you hear some kind of weird noise behind us, it's because you are actually doing up the place a bit. Yes, yes, uh, we've been open about four years, um, it's time for us to make some upgrades in the tasting room, so we are uh, in the middle of doing that right now, actually. And what is Hidden Springs, and who are you? I'm Joshua Garman, uh, me, and, me and my wife, Jack Willen Garman, own the place, we've been... Uh, uh, open for about four years now. Started as a home brewer. Me and I uh, had a, a, a business partner when we started out. Uh, we, we met in a homebrew club together. Both were looking to open breweries, decided to uh, try it together, and uh, here we are. Finally, four years later, you, you're ready to upgrade your tap room as well. Yes, yeah, it took a little <laughs> while. Um, tap room was the last thing we built when we built the place out, so obviously... You know, as you're doing build out and things are costing more than you expect them to, the money starts to run a little shy. So uh, we basically opened the tap room with what we had available at the time. And it's finally time to invest some money into it and, and make it look nice. You're from Florida yourself? Yes. Yeah. Born and raised in Tampa. You grew up here. I've been here my whole life. Just now started traveling because of beer. So I've been getting out. I made a trip to Sweden for the first time out of, out of country. So uh, I can thank beer for all my travels. This started four years ago, you said. Was it uh, because you realized that brewing is not just something you want to do at home and you want to make a career out of it, or did you uh, kind of fall into it? So I'm, I have this thing with turning hobbies into careers. Uh, I've done it a couple times. I uh, I saw you were an auto mechanic before. Yes, yeah. I worked in auto collision repair and, and restoration um, before this, so... That started as I had an old Volkswagen I was restoring at home and enjoyed it so much that I quit my IT job and went to school to be an automotive painter and did that for 10 years. Homebrewing was a great hobby. It fed my, my desire for good beer without having to spend a ton of money. When our daughter was born, I made the decision to, to kind of go pro. I had been brewing a lot for competition, me and, me and my old business partner, and we kind of got bored with brewing for, for metals and stuff, so... The next logical step was to open a brewery. When, when my daughter was born, I painting cars is not the best for you. So uh, I decided I wanted to kind of hang around longer for her if I could. So I made the move to, to get out of that field, and here I am. Since you are born and raised here, you've seen the beer scene change. And it's, it hasn't taken that long for Tampa to go from almost beer wasteland to yes. one of the uh, most innovative and, and new places and up-and-coming places in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was a home brewer, there was maybe three breweries in Tampa Bay. I think there's closer to 92, 93 at this point. That's just crazy. Yeah, and this and we're talking in a span of six, seven years. It's been insane um, seeing not only breweries evolve and, and grow in the Tampa area, but the culture as a whole has changed dramatically. So uh, it's been very interesting, and it's one of those things that I think you're going to continue to see change and grow. So Hidden Springs, then. Most breweries have kind of direction of what they're doing. What is Hidden Springs? We started out with the quest to uh, make beer that Floridians like to drink. Most of the beers we make here are, are Berliner-based. We find that uh, 
I mean, when it's summertime, I want to drink something kind of tart and refreshing. So something I brewed as a home brewer quite a bit. We've turned, you know, a base Berliner into, I think we were doing about 80 different Berliners a year at this point. Uh, we do a lot of tropical fruit, a lot of treatments. We're doing what we call pastry sours now, which we're doing with, you know, a couple different types of fruit, lactose and vanilla usually. Uh, we find that uh, a lot of people like the approach of the, basically the, the sweeter it kind of balances out the tartness. Um, people are kind of getting away from the the super tart beers. So we make a range of them. We make uh, pretty tart ones down to fairly balanced. Uh, we do a lot of that. Uh, we get into the hazy IPA game um, just like everybody else. Well, people want it, so. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being from Tampa, I don't know if your your listeners know, um, but Tampa is known for big imperial stouts, super thick. Which, which I find odd. It is very odd. I, I've, I, anybody I talk to about it, I make the same <laughs> comments. Like it's Tampa. It's hot. It's you know in this winter time. It's nice, still stouts. eighty degrees. We want big, <laughs> stick, thick, sticky stouts. Um, so if if you want to kind of get your name out there in the Tampa market, you really have to kind of perfect that style. And we've worked hard at it. And I think our stouts are are getting up out there, and people are enjoying them. You think that started with a Hunapu? I do, I do. I think a lot of breweries in Tampa, most of most of the breweries in Tampa, eh, maybe not most at this point, but a good amount of the ones that you've heard of and, and, and names that you know, the breweries there got their start at Cigar City. I, I think it functioned as an incubator for us for a long time. When we were opening up, we might have been you know one of the few that hadn't worked at Cigar City at one point, which is great. It's it's great that they're helping bring people into the a career in brewing and. Um, with that comes, you know, a little bit of knowledge on how to brew that style. And I think that's that's where you saw the growth happen when other breweries started to open up and start brewing Imperial Stouts. They brought that knowledge with them. The first thing I, I uh, got from Florida was uh, Highlight, but then quickly realized that Imperial Stouts was, was a big thing. Yeah. And now the Florida Vice is, that's become quite a phenomenon, actually. It, it has, yeah, yeah. Florida Vice is a, is a big deal. Any, you know, for those that don't know, that's basically berliner with some sort of tropical fruit in it that's what we we have coined the florida vice and yeah i mean most breweries in town are brewing those now too uh like i said it's it's probably 70 percent of our our beers that we put out is you know florida vice based and you sell mostly in the tap room or do you have distribution as well we have distro in um pretty much all of central florida we do six or seven core beers a year and then we rotate out six different sours for the year um, every two two months we do a different sour our distributor to orlando will take some of our one-off stuff as well so if you live in the orlando area or closer to daytona beach you're going to get a little bit more of a kind of uh, one of our one-off stuff that, that we do and how big a system do you have uh, we started on a five barrel and we have since grown into a 15 barrel brew house we have uh, 30 barrel and 40 barrel tanks that we double batch 15, into 15 barrels that sounds like Almost every brewery I've spoken to here in Tampa, yeah, it's, it's about the size that is <laughs> that standard. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of a standard size, especially if you have distribution. It's a good size that you can do double batch in the 30s. And I mean, if you want to get crazy, you can put some 60s in and do two days of that. And uh, I think it's a good size so that you don't have the overhead of buying a 30 barrel system. Uh, you have some flexibility as well. So it made sense for us to, to go that route. 
space-wise, do you have any space to grow in, or are you are you up to full capacity now? We are up to full capacity as far as tank space goes. Um, I'm in the process now of looking at uh, another expansion to add some more tanks. We've got room here to grow still, and our facilities were 7,400 square feet total. 2,000 of that is tasting room. So uh, we just have to be smart about how we're using it because it's getting it's getting tighter, but we, we, we're going to make it work. So what do you see Hidden Springs in, say, 10 years? Uh, hopefully still here. You know, beer is a, a funny industry right now. It's, it's weird being four years old in this industry and, and being considered as like the old one of the old <laughs> breweries in town now, especially I'm sure you guys from from Europe, your breweries date back hundreds of years, you know, some of the some of the older ones. But here it's like if you're four or five years old, you're you're You'll considered a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, it is interesting to see how that goes, and um, I'm hoping that uh, we're, we'll still be growing, and who knows? Who knows where we'll be in a couple of years. What's the community like with, when it comes to the brewers here in, in Tampa? Tampa's great. Um, everybody pretty much gets along. We all help each other out. If, if someone's having a problem, they pick up the phone, call somebody else, and they're pretty... You think that comes from comes from uh, lots of people also like coming from Cigar City? It's, they, it's their old friends, and yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I, I'd like to think that it's a just the way this industry works as a whole, you know, you don't hear a whole lot of infighting amongst other breweries throughout the nation. So hopefully it stays that way. It's one of the things that drew me to this industry, you know, working in a cutthroat other industry. Yeah, it was, it's nice to be in an industry where everybody gets along and, and yes, we're all competitors on one level, but we all have a common goal and that's to provide excellent beer and, and make people happy and make people happy. You know, that it's one of those things where you say, uh, Nobody's in this industry that doesn't want to be here. You know what I mean? Like beer is one of those industries that you kind of have to love it to work in it. And I think that's part of the reason why you have such a close-knit, easy um, atmosphere as far as other breweries getting along goes. You know, we all get along. We all we, It's weird going to, I, like we said, we just went to Brewski Vol and I walk into the room and, you know, Ryan from Angry Chairs there and Devin from Seventh Son and tampa bay brewing is, is all drinking beers and i uh i thought it was funny i walked up and you know i go hey, you know if we we wanted to get a beer together we could have just met down the street instead of coming halfway around the world so it's it's awesome yeah i've got a few questions left uh, one of them is basically out of all your beers which one is it's like trying to decide which of your kids you like the most <laughs> sure, but sure. like which beer is the one you're most proud of that you make Oh, man. I'm most proud. I would say our Russian pill style is the one I'm most proud of. Uh, it's a it's a recipe that I've had since uh, home brewing days. Uh, it's been changed and modified to, you know, uh, kind of accentuate its its better points over the years. And I think it's in a really good spot right now. Our, our pale ale, uh, Zero Fucks Given, is uh, the one I find myself drinking the most uh, in this Czech pills I have in front of me now that we're, we're making. But uh uh, zero zero fucks is uh one of our best selling beers uh through distribution and uh it's it's a great like daily drinker so those two beers are probably like closest to my heart and finally because i ask this question of all people that participate in the podcasts and this is might be the meanest question to anyone <laughs> who's in, in, involved in beer sure if you only had got to have one more beer your rest of your life as many as you oh, want man. but but just one beer which one would it be? That is a tough question. It is. Uh, that's mean. It, it's, that it, is downright it's, mean to ask that. Hey, the, the interview is quite a laid back. <laughs> so finally, I'm going to ask you a hard question. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'd probably lean something lighter in the pills range. You know, I've been drinking a lot of 
a lot of pills lately. So if I'm looking for something that I only have access to that it, it, I can drink lots of, that's probably what it's going to be. Something but come range. on, you gotta gotta be narrow it down a bit. T- oh, t- narrow it and down. Pick, pick something that Man. you don't make yourself. Like, what is the lager that you would drink then? Man, that's a tough question. There's so many good ones <laughs> out there. Oh, uh, I, I don't think I can narrow that down to one. Uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll accept your answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Josh, really, thank you very much for having us. Thank you for coming. And we're gonna have another beer, I think. Yes, and let's just do that. Relax, take Absolutely. it easy. Absolutely. We don't have that much on the agenda today, so I think. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you very much. Very nice to see you on this side of the the water, you know. And cheers. Well, that was the wonderful Josh Garman from Hidden Springs Ale Works. Now, let's listen to the amazing Douglas Clark from Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Doug Clark. Yes, sir. Uh, Tampa Bay City, uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It's early. (laughs) It's early in the morning. This is a great setup. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a nice pub. When did all this start and how? How how did it start? Vicky Doble and her son, John Doble, along with uh, his father, John Doble, they ran a brew pub store here in Tampa Bay for a while, but it wasn't enough to quench the thirst no pun intended. <laughs> it was really early, people. Um, uh, Johnny wanted to brew, and Vicky grew up in England. Uh, apparently, her parents ran pubs over there, so she grew up in that world. So they decided to open Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Johnny later on went to uh, receive his master brewer's diploma from the Siebel Academy and the uh, Domans Academy over in Munich, and Vicky. Open up the restaurant side, and Johnny unfortunately passed away in a house fire a little later. And his brother Dave, uh, who was a commercial pilot for a large airline, left uh, professional flying, came back and took over the brewing operations for Tampa Bay Brewing Company. And it's been that way ever since. So our first brew uh, rolled off the lines in 1997, making us one of the the grandpas here in in the Tampa Bay region. The the real boom came around 2006, 2007, yeah? Uh, I think nationally it did. Down here, I would say it probably started about 2014. I moved down from New York in uh, in 2014. We had 17 breweries in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area, and now we're around 90. That's that's just crazy S- and fast. Yeah, so to me, that's the boom mm-hmm. in this market. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but who are you then, and how come you ended up here? My background is pretty diverse. Uh, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, hang on. Let's say cheers. And uh, then let's cheers, hear absolutely. I was a home brewer back in the 90s with my brother, Scott. And I was at the time working in finance because that's what you do when you get an environmental science degree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved to New York uh, right after that. And I continued to brew in my little apartment on the Upper West Side. My stove was so small that I could have all four burners going with my 20-gallon pot (laughs) on it. I left finance after 9-11 and uh, became a beer distributor. I ran into a gentleman by the name of Jeff Wells, uh, who at that time was the the sales rep for Chimay. And I had never put the two and two together, like having employment 
in the beer world. No. Right? So I said, wow, that sounds pretty cool. Do you know anyone who's hiring? And a week later, I had an interview at Union Beer Distributors in Brooklyn. And uh, I became a, uh, a sales rep in Manhattan. Uh, it was a craft-only distributor. Of course, with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, that's not a bad lead horse. Not a bad one at all. And we had a, a wonderful portfolio. Everything from the Be United, um, you, you name it, we had it. And I learned a lot about beer. My first month on the job, I wrote down flavor profiles for the entire portfolio, which, dang it, I had to drink every one of our beers. <laughs> oh, poor you. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, there there were a couple of days where I had like six or seven Belgians, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can write anymore. But we'll get home. It, it helped my palate immensely, and that job helped my knowledge immensely. But the, the fire to uh, actually create was still there. Uh, so after many years of sales in New York, I quit. I sustained my livelihood by playing the drums and doing whatever odd jobs I could, bartending here and there. And I would travel down to Richmond, Virginia. My buddies opened up Hardywood Park Craft Brewery in there. And I would, they taught me how to brew on a commercial size. What that means is get inside the mash tun and scrub it out. Oh, yeah. Right? And clean cakes. Absolutely. Uh, but that, that training is invaluable. And I did that for a year. And then uh, there were some pubs, some brew pubs and breweries in the New York area that I would work for free at. And this is all taking span over probably a year and a half at this point. Finally, I get a job flipping kegs at a little brewery in Brooklyn. Which one, if I may ask? It was called Kelso. Okay, uh, yep. And uh, they also did a lot of contract work for other breweries. New York is such a big market and an expensive market. It was cheaper for other breweries outside of New York City to have us brew their beer than for them to drive it across the bridge because of the tolls. I mean, it's it's that legit, you know? So we, we brewed a lot of beers for a lot of different people there. Uh, other half opened up through us. Uh, Finback opened up through us. Before they were purchased, um, the boys out in Patchogue would, would sometimes use us, uh, six point, whoever needed some extra beer, right? So I was flipping kegs, and then I went to the Seabull Academy, and I, I got my Master Brewers diploma, so I did the whole thing, Chicago and then Munich, and brewed over there for a while. Came back to New York. Luckily, Kelso had a job there still for me. I'm like, cool. I did that, and I just started pumping out resumes, and I didn't realize it, but all my... All my resumes went to warm weather climate. I just didn't even realize it, but like Maui Brewing has it, like everyone in San Diego has it. And anyway, I sent it down to Dave and the idea of brewing on a tin barrel in a pub was really appealing to me. You know, I did a lot of research on Tampa Bay Brewing Company and everyone had high regards for their liquid, which is important. And so I interviewed with them on the phone, which was... It was pretty funny because I was at my job in Brooklyn when I was interviewing on the phone with them. And uh, Dave has a bit of a stutter. Well, this was back in the day when cell phone service was not good. So <laughs> I thought we were just breaking up when, in fact, it was, it was Dave the way he was talking to me. <laughs> and then he sent me a, a questionnaire to answer online, and I sent that back. And then he called me up a few days later and offered me the position. And six weeks later, I was here. So I was able to get out of my lease on the Upper West Side, packed a U-Haul, full of junk and moved down here to the Sunshine State and been here ever since. And you don't miss the winters in, in New York? I don't miss the winters. <laughs> I don't miss the winters. Because no. uh, <laughs> this is like 
high summer for us from Sweden, and, and mm. to you, it's you're really going into the autumn now. Correct. Yeah. So the weather down here will start to will start to dry out and to cool down a little bit. So our winters will be in the you know high sixties, low seventies Fahrenheit. So that's nice winter. That's quite okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we actually met this summer uh, at uh, Bruskeval. What's your thoughts of the festival and Sweden in general? I went to Bruskeval for the first time two festivals ago. And I absolutely fell in love with Sweden because of its people. There, I've I've been to a lot of countries in Europe, and so far, the people of Sweden have been they're so accommodating, they're so polite, they're so nice. They speak better English than most Americans do, <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. And any chance we can to do anything with with Marcus and Jonas over there, and you know their their hospitality is paramount. I have not seen anything like it from anybody else. Export side of your stuff, does anyone anything actually trickle over to S- Europe? Some. Some. It's very rare. Like we, our stance has been to primarily focus on our home state. Uh, there's a lot of people in Florida, so even if we just went statewide last year for the first time, but to answer your question, we do send stuff over to Europe. Um, we've poured in Lyon. We have sent stuff to Sweden, obviously, but our focus is still going to remain on our home state. And when, when this place started up, it was kind of a beacon in in the wasteland, so to speak, of craft beer in Florida. Oh, no question. Yeah, Florida it took its time getting uh, into the swing of the craft beer world, and they got a taste of it with us and uh, a couple other breweries nearby Dunedin is one that comes to mind and then all of a sudden people went crazy for it <laughs> and it is as they exploded. should as they should <laughs> yes because this is fantastic this brewery then most breweries have kind of an identity mm-hmm. not a goal but a, like an area where they strive towards and and in that range their beers go uh, what is Tampa Bay's uh, like brewery style sure uh, we would be hop forward First and foremost, Dave is a hop head down to his bones. If he drank wine, he would put hops in it, I swear. <laughs> um, but uh, hop forward and then also fruited sours, the the floor device that oh, yeah. people mm-hmm. talk about. Um, that would be our, our main focus. Since we have two breweries that make a decent amount of production, we can stretch that. Like we're drinking a, a Hellas right now. I also have, you know, there's wine hybrids that we use grape must and you know imperial stouts and you know like all all that stuff but our focus is is ipas and fruited sours for sure and uh you produce quite a lot of beer mm-hmm. everything cannot be produced here uh you got another facility that's Do you correct. have another like outside production site as well no there's only two so right now we're we're sitting in uh the original brew pub which is a 10 barrel system this is now turned into sort of the playground the, this is where we stretch to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, we have opened uh, a second location, which is a production facility, which also has a, a, a very nice restaurant attached to it. That is a four-vessel, 30-barrel, and that's where the absolute bulk of all of our volume comes out of. We should be nearing eighteen to th- 19,000 barrels this year, which is quite a quite a jump considering five years ago we were around 3,000 barrels. So. 
And I've got to ask you, sweet, heavy stouts mm-hmm. in Florida, mm-hmm. are you crazy? <laughs> now, you're not that, it's not your main thing, but lots of breweries down here brew sweet, heavy Imperial Stouts. I know. I, I, I still can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> and they do, they do it well, and people go crazy for it. But in this climate, I I know I know. Uh, for a long time, we had a year-round barley wine at twelve percent and a year-round imperial stout at ten, and we finally decided to uh, let the retire those brands. Uh, we can still make similar styles, like for example, we'll make stouts in the four to five percent range during the summer months. And now that it's getting cooler outside, <laughs> in quotation, you know, but still people are looking for those bigger beers now. But yeah, there's. My buddy, you know, Ben and Ryan up the street at Angry Chair, they, that is their thing, man, is big, fat pastry stats. And they, they do it really, really well. Could it be Hunapu that started off the thing? or it, it could be. But, like, if you put Hunapu next to some of these other stouts nowadays, Hunapu looks like a, a watery version of a brown compared <laughs> to these things, man. It's like, and that's not to take away from Hunapu because we all know what a wonderful beer that is. It's just the, the viscosity and massiveness of these new pastry stouts is just off the charts. We tried a few at Cycle, and they were amazing. Oh, sure. Well, Doug, he, those guys know what they're doing, man. <laughs> that Eric guy, he knows how to brew. <laughs> this area as well is kind of cool you got to tell me a bit about Ybor. Oh, Ybor City. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Ybor City is like old Tampa. Tampa became home to a lot of Cubans when they were fleeing their country. And um, our location on the Gulf and our humidity, in case you missed it, <laughs> was a great spot for cigar rolling. Hence the reason Cigar City Brewing Company th- for their name. So down here was the Mecca for all the cigar making. Like, all the big square federal-looking buildings here were all different cigar manufacturing places. And we and we still have rollers, hand-rolling cigars to this day. Yeah, we were walking down the street, and people were sitting in the window rolling mm-hmm. cigars. Absolutely. Arturo Fuente, uh, his little house is two blocks away. Like, their whole family lives right here in Ybor. And um, he still works behind the counter at their, their shop. So if you want to meet, like, the guy who is Arturo Fuente, and just go to his, like, he's there, and it's crazy. <laughs> Buy a cigar from him. Absolutely. It's kind of a cool area to be in as a brewery as well, because it's artisan, the entire neighborhood. So, yeah, Ibor, uh, since since the cigar rollers have declined recently, uh, a lot of those buildings have been used for restaurants and bars and clubs. It, every town has that district that has that nightlife, and this is... Tampa's area, Ybor City. We have a handful of breweries that have sprung up. Zydeco is right down the street. Uh, Polly makes great beer. We have a lager house that's just about to open that's also down here in Ybor. Hidden Springs is right down the road. We got Copper Tail right down the road. Like on a bicycle, you can hit everyone in a matter of minutes. Uh, So it's an awesome little area, or little, but it's an awesome area and you have to be uh, in. Uh, you yeah. can call it little it's, yeah. it's not too big <laughs> but I, it is growing uh this we have we're lucky in the fact that some people who have bought buildings have plans to uh renovate some of these older buildings and turn them into more restaurants and bars and things so ebor actually is beginning to expand i think in the future you'll see ebor making its way all the way down towards where hidden springs is by the waterworks area uh also Ulele is down there uh great loggers 
fantastic lagers. And then we're growing towards Coppertail. So eventually, it's just going to be one big party. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to come back then. Absolutely. Well, I don't mind being here now, but that sounds great. <laughs> I only have a few more questions for you. You've been working here for a while now. What is the beer that you're most proud of? What's the one you really think shines? Well, we're known for Reef Donkey American Pale Ale. That's 70% of our sales. It's one of the very first beers I always reach for whenever I'm, you know, finishing a brew day. I never tire of it. It's a good beer. It's an easy drinking beer. Hop forward, go figure, but not necessarily too bitter. It's just a well-constructed beer. We won a, a GABF medal for that, and uh, I would say that's our it, it, that's our beer. And then finally, the the hardest question in the world for people who actually. No, no. Love beer. Here it comes. Yeah, here it comes. <laughs> it's been such a nice, relaxed interview up until now, but now, now the hard question comes. Mm-hmm. You get to get one beer for the rest of your life, as much, as much as you want of it, but you've got to choose one beer that is not in your production line that you would have for the rest of your life. My Desert Island beer? Yeah, your Desert Island beer. Oh, that's Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It is. Yes. So it wasn't that hard. No, not no. at all. Uh, no, I could give you the top five. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about this, man. No, well, so yeah. give me the top five. Uh, it would be Sierra Nevada, Pale Ale, George Schneider, Schneider Vice, the original, Rogue's Shakespeare Stout. Oh yeah, first out. Mm. What is that? Three, Shimei White. Okay, and oh, uh, uh, Rodenbach Grand Cru. Okay, <clears throat> that's kind of the end of it, I think. But oh no, we've got to talk a bit about Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Okay, because we've got to give a shout out to to uh, the Grossmans. Sure. Because without them, we wouldn't drink what we do, would we? Uh, they are definitely one of the pioneers. Um, you know, Fritz Maytag is up there as well. Because I put this question to everyone who's uh, in an interview with me, that Desert Island beer question, and mm. loads and loads of people say Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So there's got to be something there. Well, when it defines a style from this country, <clears throat> that's a big deal. It doesn't hurt that the Grossman family are extremely nice. They're very good at what they do. They're not afraid to help anyone who asks. They epitomize what craft brewing is. And to me, craft brewing is community. And whenever you're around the Grossmans, you're in community. And they're just an amazing bunch of people. Uh, everything from their, their footprint that they try to reduce on a daily basis, you know, from treating their wastewater to recapturing CO2 to you name it, they do it. Their solar panel is one of the largest in the country and it's privately owned. And then on top of it, they make world-class beer. Just fantastic. And they're not trendy, but they're still in- innovative. They, they do like new stuff, but uh, they're trend after, after real good <laughs> testing as well. So they yeah. never release anything bad, in my opinion. Anyway. They, they don't. And the, and the cool thing is with those guys, you, no matter what style that they do release, you can tell it's a Sierra Nevada. You know, like there's something about it that they do that makes it Sierra Nevada. Uh, I agree to that. And and let's finish on that note and say cheers again. Cheers. Thank you very much, Doug, for having us. That's and uh, must say, your place is great. Uh, I love, if you get the chance to come down here, do come to the restaurant here because it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. And the food is great as well. We ate here two days ago. It was really good. Thank you very much, Doug. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, right? Finally, it's time to speak to the demon producer himself, Ricky Dellin. Oh, yeah. 
So, Demon Producer, Ricky Dellin, how the hell has CC managed to connect you to uh, Beer Bubbles? Well, I could probably give you uh, this answer. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a rock star and I have long hair, so nobody, you know, would ever judge me on having a can of beer at, what is it, like 9.30 in the morning? Uh, something like that. And we sat all last night just finishing the jingle for beer bubbles yes we did sir which is gonna be released mid-july the first episode that is so cool look forward to it tell us a bit about yourself and how the hell did you get to know cc me <laughs> how the hell did you get to know me well sir that uh, damn it goes back a long time right i mean i've i've known you since the early 90s uh we were actually participating in the same sort of talent uh contest back in was it like 91 91 92? I think yeah. yeah actually a pretty good one i mean uh, i've seen my share of of quite horrible events like that but <laughs> but this particular one really had some talent i mean serious talent and and definitely ucc were uh, you know right there uh, on top and very young very young yeah a young men singing Empty chairs at empty tables. Yeah, Is that from, uh, the title from the Les from Les Miserables? <laughs> and also the Stevie Wonder track. Uh, I, God damn, I remember like yesterday. You did this. Lately, I've had the strangest feeling. Yeah, I was very impressed. And and uh, shortly after that, because I was just starting to, um, I came from like a musical background. I, I've been in all all sorts of different bands, and I've been just playing drums and bass and. And I just started writing my own songs and, you know, spreading my wings a bit more. And, uh, yeah, for, for several different reasons, uh, I, I did write, I co-wrote a couple of songs that you sang a long, long, long time ago. And, and um, fun fact is one, one of these tracks called Romantic Scenario. Last time you uh, visited my house. About we, uh, three weeks ago? Yeah, we actually, because uh, uh, I've been, I've been re-recording that track among other places in... Um, Los Angeles and Nashville, and using some of the top players in the world, you know, the session guys, mm -hmm. the, the the studio mafia, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who have players like Neil Stubenhaus on bass and uh, David Boroff on uh, on saxophone. If you don't know these names, just Google. Google the hell out of them. It, it, amazing players. The A, the A-listers, and... Uh, you know, we just started talking about uh, this old track, and I had been struggling with finding a singer for this track for years and years and years. And uh, I just felt so natural to actually come back to the original demo, which was you singing it, and and uh, just you know, having matured a bit and your voice sounding more manly, <laughs> not as boyish. <laughs> yeah, you know, we gave it a go, and it turned out pretty damn good. So uh, it's going to be really exciting to release that. Um, Sometime soon. Yeah, and then I actually convinced you to do the jingle for the Beer Bubbles podcast as well, which you probably have heard now. Yeah, convinced me. I mean, I, did you really have to convince me? No, I really didn't. I, I sent you a text and you said, oh, that's cool. I just did my first jingle for, for a podcast a week ago. Yeah. So uh, you were on board right away. I was. And... Uh... But then I'm I'm working like a maniac uh, all over the place. So uh, I I did manage to get something together before midsummers, and I forgot to send it out to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
And but I came here uh, yesterday, and we sat actually all night, and did some uh, fine tuning and and uh, stadium choirs. And choirs, shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> choirs. Oh well, oh, stadium cheering. Uh, cheers. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a such a pleasure having you over, and then we can just we listen to the original idea, and we just uh, you know we embellished it a bit, <laughs> tweaked. Yeah, we tweaked it. <laughs> That was fun. Yeah, great fun. Ricky Dellen, thank you very much for being in the podcast. I'm going to let you go back to drinking your beer. Oh, thank you. So, good morning. Have a beer. Take care. Listen to this. Ah, cheers. Cheers. And that's all for this time, folks. I hope you found this first episode of Beer Bubbles to your liking. The next episode will be released at the end of August. So until then, drink good beers and cheers. Cheers.